this morning as we give thought for the next few moments to a particular lesson I've entitled, Take Heed How You Hear. That's certainly an interesting title, but it's taken directly from the text that Brother John read from Luke 8, verse 18, just a moment ago. As you give thought to that, we'll develop this morning several things that can be of great moment to you and me. We'll begin at least with these introductory thoughts as we motivate our study over the next few moments. First of all, the time of worship continues to be a thrilling, exalting time. And surely in light of that, haven't you already used your ears quite a bit this morning? We all have. We are accustomed, you see, to going through our day, and I suppose we may well take for granted the blessing of hearing on occasion, because surely in it we are surrounded by so many sounds over the course of a day. Sometimes there are soothing sounds. Sometimes there are sounds that might not be as soothing, but still, information can be shared, matters can be brought to our attention, and the capability of hearing can well be a vital part in it. But yet Jesus said, take heed how you hear. What did He mean by that? What might be some lessons of benefit to you and me in light of it? You may notice near the bottom of that slide, it goes without saying that so often in the Word of God there is a reminder, in fact an insistence. Every one of the seven churches of Asia were reminded, and Revelation 2-7 is one such example, but they were reminded that in their hearing to recognize a certainty with respect to hearing what God said and putting that into practice. Today, let's develop some more careful thoughts about what the Lord said in Luke 8. As we do that, what I've chosen to do, as you'll notice at the very last slide or the last statement on that slide, is develop some contrasts. That is to say, some opposites connected to the ways that you and I might hear. We will find one of them to be good, the other to be not so good. Let's make sure we're in the right category of how we're hearing. As we do all of that, the first set of opposites is this one. It's entirely possible, you see, to hear and to be a hearer that is attentive to that which is heard. That is, I've described, eagerness. But it's entirely possible to be rather inattentive, to be rather apathetic, you see, to that which one might hear. Let's notice the way the Word of God, perhaps in this very context, reminds us of the importance of this. You'll notice at the very top, I invite you to notice, again, what is rather obvious. It's entirely possible that one can be a person who might well physically hear that which God may say, but quite frankly have very little interest in it. We've all heard that old statement. It goes in one ear and out the other. It's as if the words carry no power, carry no emphasis, no meaning whatsoever for the person who is in fact actually listening. Such a person is inattentive. Oh, how much the Word of God has to say about those in that category. I've invited you to notice a few passages. Could it well be that in Mark thir or rather Matthew 13, verse 15, we have a resounding statement? That's the parable chapter of the New Testament. Seven parables the Lord spoke in the context of that chapter. And you may notice on one occasion He was asked, Lord, why do you speak in parables? And as a part of his answer, he said, There are some who shut their ears, these very ones you see. Although they may physically hear, they aren't interested. They don't really care. 
may I point out, you and I are in a very serious condition. If we are in that category, we may well be those who physically have the words fall upon our ears, but do we care? Do the words of God carry any significance, any meaning that would motivate us to change things that we do or how that we do it? Jesus again said, take heed how you hear. You may notice further on that slide, it's quite likely the case that those in that category being inattentive, their heart's never going to be pricked by the Word of God. And yet that's the very scene that described those on the day of Pentecost. For in verse 37, the inspired Holy Spirit pointed out when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart. And they cried out to Peter and the others, Men and brethren, what shall we do? But you'll notice they had been pricked. They had heard with an element of eagerness. Now it's true, many others that day were no doubt inattentive. But aren't we thankful that about 3,000 were not in that category? They were eager, they were interested, they were mindful of the power contained in that word. For that reason, near the bottom of that slide, Another set of reminders to you and I. The children of Israel in Deuteronomy 1.43, God said they will not hear. Although He had sent them Moses and Avram, although He later would send them many of the prophets, God said they won't hear. Now that didn't mean they were physically deaf. It meant their heart was so seared they just didn't have any interest in what God said. They were bound and determined to do what they wanted the way they wanted to do it. You and I know they all met their judgment because of that. And although they had wandered through those years of wilderness wandering, God, remember, said, your carcasses will fall in this wilderness. You'll never enter into that land of promise. As you and I close that slide, isn't there a host of Bible admonitions to you and to me to be attentive, to be eager? I've selected just a small portion, but could we not note at least these? Thy words were found, and I did eat them. And thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of mine heart. Jeremiah said that in Jeremiah 15, 16. Later on in Psalm 119, verse 97, Oh, how love I thy law! It is my meditation all the day. As we transition to 2 Timothy 3, certainly a very well-known passage. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. It is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness, that the man of God might be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So the first thing we've noted, let's be attentive, not inattentive, as we hear the Word of God. What about the next set of contrasts? The Bible develops for us, again, partly in this very context, a distinction between those who are rather serious in their hearing and those that were rather immature in their hearing. That set of distinctions is, again, rather easy to develop. As we give a few brief comments concerning it, let's start it the same way I did on that slide. There are those who may well again hear the Word of God, but their immediate thought is, He sure needed that. Boy, I'm glad He preached that. She sure needed it. Sometimes we don't think about ourselves very much in those contexts, do we? I needed it. Each of us need the Word of God. It's not only for the benefit of Mr. So-and-so or Sister So-and-so or may well be the neighbors. Every one of us are in need of the majesty and the truth and sometimes the rebuke of the Word of God. 
That's what I meant by seriousness versus immaturity. In that immaturity, we may well not see in that particular text those matters needful for you and me. That's a sadness too, isn't it? You may notice next on that slide is that example of Jeremiah 36. You recall King Jehoiakim? Here was a man of that ancient kingship of Judah who himself, some of his associates had heard the preaching of Jeremiah. They had heard the power and the strength contained in it. And those associates brought to Jehoiakim and said, We have heard a guy preaching, and the things he has said are strong. We think you ought to hear it, king. And so sure enough, the roll was brought, and out of it was read before the king. And you and I recall, he took out his pen knife and cut it to pieces, threw it into the fire, as if he by some means could remove himself from the experience of the Word of God. God commissioned Jeremiah, you go back and you say to him, the very word shall rise as a powerful majesty out of the flame in which you threw it, and you will stand in judgment because of it. Jehoiakim lived to rue the day he cut into pieces the word of God. And yet, isn't it true, there are times that you and I, in essence, can be guilty of the same. We think that passage is good for somebody else, but not me. May you and I grow up and arrive at a level of maturity where we realize passages like Hebrews 4 verse 12. The Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. But isn't it true? It's quick. It's alive and it's active and it has meaning for you and it has meaning for me. The next point on that slide is this one. Every one of us, without exception, every one of us will give an accounting on the day of judgment. Romans 14, 12 declares, So then every one of us shall give account of himself unto God. And Paul so eloquently stated the matter in Acts 17, 30. The times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent, because God hath appointed today in which he would judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men, in that he hath raised him from the dead. On that great and powerful day, every one of us will give accounting for the deeds done in the body. It won't be just a matter for brother so-and-so or for someone else that day. I will be there and so will you. And God will look you and me directly in the face, and as the books are opened, Revelation 20, verses 11 and 12, our life will be judged exactly and accurately according to the deeds done in the body in comparison to the proclamations of the book. So far as we've learned these two things, how interesting, how rather strong have been the urgency to take heed how you hear. What about number three? What might be another consideration on this same matter? What about those who hear with inaccuracy versus those who would hear with correctness? As you can see, I've entitled it by words related to that very thing. Incorrectness on the one hand, accuracy on the other. It continues to be a matter of some great concern, doesn't it? Because there are those who in fact will take that which the Bible says, but as they... in 
place their interpretation upon it. They will assert a matter different than what the text says. You and I know that multiplied thousands fall under the sadness of that kind of thing. Hearing supposedly the Word of God when that's really not what the Word of God says. I've asked you to notice near the very top. Those dire warnings given in the Word of God about falsehood connected to the Holy Scriptures. Not because the Scriptures are false, you see, but because men pervert them and twist them and use them to assert what they never did assert. For example, in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 1, that inspired Apostle Peter made this rather dramatic statement. There were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privately shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them. Peter thus directly declared, there will be false teachers. We must never naively think that's not true, nor must we ever labor under the illusion that somehow this is not deadly, because it is. You may notice later in the New Testament in 1 John 4, 1, John, the inspired penman there would say, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they be of God. And so today, you and I must be earnest in light of the Word of God, taking heed how we hear to ensure that we, like those noble Bereans in Acts 17, 11, these are more noble than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the Word with all readiness of mind and searched the Scriptures daily, whether those things were so. What's important, you see, is not what some man may say about the text, but what the text says. How are we hearing? The Lord again said, take heed how you hear. May you and I hear with accuracy, with correctness, with an understanding again that the Bible is what's the Word of God. One last thing on that slide is some of the ways that men have utilized various passages to great harm. Maybe few in the Old Testament rise above Ezekiel 38 and 39. The premillennial camp has for well over a hundred years had their heyday with that pair of chapters. Extracting from it what they suppose and can weave into that a tapestry of sensationalism that's matched virtually by nowhere else. Fact is, not a word of it's true. Not a word of what men typically say about those two chapters is true. And yet, men have said so much. What you and I need to appreciate is that what God's Word declares in those chapters as well as all the others are things that you and I should seek to rightly divide. 2 Timothy 2 verse 15 still says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of truth. When you and I do that, we will then be led to hear correctly and to hear not with an air of inaccuracy. One last thing on that slide will then be a reminder that the gospel is the truth, John 17, 17. So far, these three we've considered have reminded us it's important how we hear. What about number four? This fourth one is one that will join in this with an element of encouragement. Isn't it true that there are those who can sometimes appreciate the hearing, but do so with inactivity? But there are, on the other hand, those who hear with a mindset of swiftness, with immediate application, 
with a desire to put into practice that which has been heard. Isn't it true those on Pentecost were in that very category? The moment they were pricked, they asked what to do and they did it. What about you and me today? Could you and I fall into a camp, into a category of inactivity? If so, we should be prepared to hear the words of James in James 1 verse 22. Blessed are they that not just hear, but are doers of the Word. Are you and I those that do, or are we those that only hear? All throughout the Word of God, there was and continues to be an emphasis upon those who not only have heard, but have implanted by way of action that which has been heard. How great is the teaching that Jesus made. When in Matthew 7, beginning in verse 21, He spoke about a wise man who built his house on a rock. And how often we've noted the foolish man who built his house on the sand. But as we've often noted, the Lord was not giving an inspired commentary on house building, at least literal house building. He was speaking because he said the next verse about this matter. That wise man is the man who hears that which I have taught and does it. There was the point. The foolish man was the one who heard but didn't do anything about it. Oh, how powerful and poignant and immediate then is the lesson for us. Are you and I like the wise man? Who with the blessedness of hearing seeks to do put into action that which has been heard? Or do we with laziness, slothfulness, or at some way inattention allow it to simply slide past as if we never heard it? It's a personal question, isn't it? And where do you and I fall in that matter? Take heed how you hear. I've asked you to notice a few other applications, one of which will include the text of Luke 6, verse 46. Why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Can you imagine it? Those who would be quick to acclaim the Lord as, my, as great and acclaim Him as the Lord of their life, but then they don't do what He says. It's absolute foolishness, isn't it? Is it any wonder then that in Matthew 7, 21, Jesus would directly use that idea to teach the following... Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Question, how have they heard? They're in the very category we're now discussing. They had not been swift to put into action that which had been heard. Notice they called Him Lord, but it was to no avail. Because in the next verse, the actions they had done, be it by speaking in tongues, be it by the other factors that were under discussion, the Lord was quick to pronounce to them, I never knew you. That reminder, as squarely as any other, puts before us the fact how we hear is likely going to determine where we spend eternity. For that reason, number five is this. So far, the things that we have described about how you and I can hear, and it's always our hope we're on the correct side of these, what about those who hear with a matter of indifference versus those with an air of steadfastness? That too is a matter that's often pointed out in the Word of God. The very beginning of that slide goes like this. It is so easy to become comfortable 
and in comfort your mind will likely soon become seared, and those poignant matters of the Word will soon lose any effort or power to cause us to change anything. How often did the Lord warn us about not letting our heart become like that? Again, the opposite side is steadfastness. An air of recognizing from Matthew 5, verse number 6. Blessed are they that upon the nature of that Word of God who have a hungering and thirsting for it. Again, a question. Do you hunger and thirst for the Word of God? Is it a matter that troubles you to no end when you have to miss one of the services of the church, be it Sunday morning, Sunday night, or Wednesday night? If your heart isn't hurting in some way because of it, there's a problem, a serious, serious spiritual problem. Where are you and I going to be at 5.30 tonight? Have you already got plans to be somewhere else? Where are you going to be at 7 o'clock Wednesday night? Plans to be somewhere else? If so, there's an issue, a problem, and oh, how you need to take care of it. Talk to one of our elders. That's why they're here. Let them counsel you, discuss with you, encourage you. If I could be of help, I'd be happy to do the same. But the point is, there's nothing more important than your soul's salvation and mine. And exposure to the Word, a love for it, is going to be a critical part in where you and I will be on that day of judgment and the verdict that's rendered. So indeed, indifferent. if we're indifferent to the Word of God, I'm going to be somewhere else Wednesday night and I really don't care. The church can do whatever they want to. I'm not going to be there. The brethren can meet and assemble, and it could be the grandest of lessons. Jesus Christ Himself can be there, but I won't be. If that's our attitude, I believe we all understand. Too many words of Scripture remind us about the circumstances of where our heart truly is. Doesn't it remind us about the statements of the Lord when He said, Their lips may be close to me, but their heart is far from me. That very statement is found in Matthew 15, verses 8 and 9. Let's close that slide then by noting this. You and I have noticed that there is power in the Word of God. So much so that in Acts 7, verse 51, as Stephen so dramatically preached it, those who heard it, they had a lot of things against the preacher. They picked up rocks and killed him. The message was so poignant they were unwilling, you see, to make any changes to their way of thinking, and so they tried to eliminate the preacher, to eliminate the, the, the words that were being spoken. But, of course, they couldn't change the words Stephen was speaking. Shouldn't it then be of interest to us to appreciate a steadfastness concerning the word, a love for it, a desire for it? In 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58, Paul would say, My beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. The sixth and final one for the day. The Bible makes an interesting distinction between those who have itching ears versus those who are submissive. And that phrase, itching ears, I've placed in quotation marks. It's identically discovered, you see, in a few passages, maybe the most notable in 2 Timothy chapter 4. But in that passage, I simply would invite each of us to note this. There are those in our land and world who in fact want a message. It's just not the message found in the Bible. 
And so they have itching ears for what they want to hear. And so quite often they'll find a preacher, they'll find a congregation, they'll find some group of people that'll say what they want to hear because they don't want the truth. They don't want to change anything. They don't want to have to repent. They don't want to have to alter anything about their life. They just want to be supposedly close to God. But you see, it can't be both ways. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. John 14, 15. And later in 1 John chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, he would say, This is how we know the God of heaven, if we keep His commandments. He that says, I know Him, but keepeth not His commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. You see, we can't have it both those ways. Take heed how you hear. And so some developments on that last slide point out to us rather strongly that Paul warned those of his day, especially Timothy, there would be those, you see, who would have itching ears. And they will turn their ears to fables and other things that aren't the truth. Oh, how we must never do that. Understanding that we desire to hear correctly and we desire to hear submissively. As you close that slide with me, how often... Have we found examples of the prophets like Micaiah in 1 Kings 22 or like the others such as Amos who in boldness preached the Word of God and desired the people in submissiveness to in fact follow it? Where do you and I stand in that description today? This conclusion slide merely attempts to use the words we've noted with a desire to describe how you and I should seek to hear the Word of God. And so as we look back over them incredibly briefly, could we ask, do you and I hear with eagerness the Word of God? Do we hear with attentiveness? Do we hear with a consideration of maturity and seriousness? Surely in light of those things we could ask, do we, we hear with accuracy? With a desire to implant in action that which we've heard, do we have a desire to hear with steadfastness and submissiveness? Jesus said a lot when He said, Take heed how you hear. Where do you and I stand in that light? Notice I didn't list any of the negative ones. Because again, if we aren't hearing those ways, we're automatically in the category of the other ones. Today, if we could be of some assistance, some help, some encouragement, it'd be our desire and our delight. This song has been chosen, the one that Brother Eddie mentioned a moment ago. At this point, if you aren't a member of the body of Christ, either because you've never become such a thing, we want you to know that the Lord died for you. He wants more than anything else for you to be faithful, to live with Him, to have that sweet name upon your lips so that you can, in fact, look forward to eternity along with Him. If you need to become a Christian today, realize that those messages, again, take us back to hearing with, with urgency. And it went like this. Believe in Jesus, repent of your sins, confess His name, and be baptized. If you have known that way of life, but perhaps over time you have come to be a hearer unlike those we've described today. Maybe you have begun to hear with indifference. Maybe you've begun to hear with an element of failure to apply. There's still time to change. There's time to repent. There's time to come back to the Lord. And today, He urges you. He pleads with you. And so too do we. Desiring that you might in fact live a life that would be pleasing unto God, ever hearing with steadfastness and submissive obedience.
today, if we could be of some assistance as you would make confession of error, perhaps make confession in light of those matters, it'd be our desire to pray for you and with you. If on the other hand, if we could just simply pray for your strength, maybe you're battling moments or circumstances in life that are trying. We want you to know this family of the people of God wish to be here for you as we not only provide you strength, we want to pray for you and pray with you, and we'd be happy to do that too. This song of encouragement has been announced, and we'll use it as a time to invite anyone that might wish and need to come to do so at once while we stand and while we sing.